Dude, I can search Google too. Jesus. <laughs> I thought you knew it off the top of your head. God. Hail, salutations, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the GNA Podcast, Games, Nerds, and Alcohol, where we get drunk and we talk about stuff. Tonight, we have a very simple cast. Well, I mean, Damox Intelligent, I'm, I'm sure I'm simple-minded, but you know. Anyway... Uh, we have Damoc, the one and only man to stand by my side during these dark hours where no one else will come and sit with me and talk about random shit. How you doing tonight, Damoc? Uh, I'm a pretty simple guy, man, so I don't know how <laughs> well this is gonna go either, so, yeah, I I'm still alive, I'm still in quarantine, and I'm still drinking, so, you know, win-win? Yes, that is. And the quarantine is uh, is ongoing, it's never ending, but the good news is, is the stores have got more food. The bad news is is that I don't think you can buy Purell hand sanitizer anymore. You can, But China, China is coming up with a lot of different hand sanitizers, and a lot of people are coming up with a lot of weird alternatives, but we'll get into that later. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, this is Games, Nerds, and Alcohol. And we got to talk about what the heck we're drinking. So, Damoc, what are you partaking in tonight? All right. So, I have this wonderful homemade margarita. But it's not one of those regular margaritas with margarita mix. I uh, I was talking to Cecil after he was drinking those stone cold beers, right? The uh, Skull Crusher IPAs, which he dropped off two of them. I love them. Just, they were fantastic. I got to figure out how to order more. But... That put me on a kick to look up Stone Cold's other cocktails, and I was watching the uh, the hot ones where they eat all those really spicy wings and you know just talk a lot of shit with celebrities. Stone Cold was on there, and he started talking about his Broken Skull Margarita. So screw it, I had to try it. It is three ounces of Patron Silver, uh, one and a half ounces of Triple Sec. It is an ounce of uh lemon juice then it is like uh, 75 or one ounce of uh agave nectar right so it's pretty good i shake all that up i pour it over the rocks and then uh, i top it off with a little grand Marnier, just uh, about an ounce of that over the top of it and damn dude if it's not the best margarita that i've I've had in a long time, and they're not hard to make. It just it feels a little lowball glass like this. This is my second one. I'm trying to sip it because eh, it's like six shots of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Those. Uh, let's see. Chilies. I'd have to say would be my first time having like it's a margarita mixed margarita. Still, I mean they put Patron in it, but. It's um, 
yeah, it's triple sec. The the baseline stuff that you need for that, what you put in there, what you talked about, that has made the best margaritas. Like I told you, I had one that had, it had jalapeno in it. It was like a habanero. I went with jalapeno because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want it to be that hot. And I swear it had something else in it, like uh, basil or something, something else in it. And it's it's good stuff, man. Like, you don't need margarita mix. Like, I mean, I guess if you're, you're in a, you know, you're like on the go and you need to like splash stuff together real quick, sure. But the triple sack, make it the real way, that's how you do it right there. Just the classical way of doing it. Oh yeah, dude! I absolutely love it doing that. It's really, really simple, and the margarita mix is nowhere close to the great part. Now, what I've never heard of in my entire life until I looked it up was agave nectar and zero percent alcohol, which yep. only put like a little splash in there. And I've never put agave nectar in it, but yeah, dude, it's Patron, it's triple sec, it's lime juice, it's agave nectar, and it's Grand Marnier. Just poured on the top, and it's fucking great. Yeah, that, um, who was it? My father and my mother love that stuff. They, um, they don't use honey anymore when it comes to, like, sweetening things. Like, they're not coffee, well, my father has a coffee addiction of some sort. But for the longest time, like, growing up, there was never a coffee maker in the house. Everyone made tea in the morning. Um, I don't know why, I mean, my dad eventually needed like coffee in his life so like but it's like it was like tea was like the thing like we always had tea in the house it was always like every morning dad and mom made hot tea and they got away from the honey and they started putting in this the agave nectar into it and they love it and that's what they use as a substitute anytime something calls for honey they want to use the agave nectar it's good stuff um and uh i mean it's until you ferment it, like, you know, you don't, it really is just non-alcoholic stuff. Um, but it's, it's got a nice taste to it. It's just a little different. If you want, like, a honey taste, well, if you want honey, you know, like, sweet, sugary, that's where you go. But if you want something with, like, I forget, it's, it's something, I don't know how to describe an agave fruit without talking about tequila but it's <laughs> it's it's different but it's a it's not like uh it's not like a truly or like a like a sweet and low kind of taste no it, it's really good it isn't it's not a substitute for a honey if you're looking for that honey taste but if you want to just and, and I mean, I'm putting, you know, I open the bottle and I splash the agave nectar in and it just sweetens it up just a bit without adding sugar. And it's really, really good. Yeah. But uh, I am not having such a classical, refined drink like you, Damoc. Instead, I'm drinking a, uh, a seasonal drink. I was trying to find Dark Hollow in Publix and I don't know why. Um you know, I shouldn't expect anything <laughs> other than you're not going to find it. And they've Whoa. got Publix normally has Dark Hollow. At least my Publix has Dark Hollow because I drink it too much. So when I, I 
so I moved back into the area that I used to live in, um, on, you know, to live, to, you know, move in with Brittany or so Brittany and I could live together. And while I was living in this area last year, they had cleared out an area next to a cemetery and they eventually put up a sign and it said Publix. And I was like, oh God, there's a Publix and it's going to be like right there versus driving like two miles up the road to the other Publix at the corner. I just have to literally go like not even five minutes and I'm at the Publix. So I live near the old, my old neighborhood. And so um, I, they have this new Publix. I walked in. They don't have that shelf that they had at the other Publix where it had like all these beers that they, they wouldn't keep cold. But you'd have more options and you could buy singles sometimes. This one doesn't have that. It, but everything's cold beer. So if you want cold beer, they're always going to have it. And I feel like they spread out the Heine, not the Heineken, the God, the Corona, Bud Light, Coors, Miller, like section just a little too much. But, you know, they do have some good ones. Uh, they've got, they had a bunch of different IPAs, but I wasn't, I wasn't feeling the IPA. I wanted to try the Dark Hollow and well, I ended up going a completely different direction. So I'm drinking a Samuel Adams Summer Ale. Um, it's a citrus wheat ale. Um, you know, I like Blue Moon, ladies and gentlemen. But this, this to me is um, not a Blue Moon. Blue Moon is oranges. This one's more... I don't taste the oranges much. It really is like a citrus kind of a blend. I almost want to say that there's a little bit of lemon in this. Like I can like, it's, I don't know whether it's the yellow label that makes me think of it, but it's like at the end, I get that little tingle of like a lemon. It's just, oh, there we go. Yep. Lemon peels. So that's, that's it right there. And they added a lemon puree. Grains of Paradise, never heard of that. But yeah, so orange, you know, it's 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 strong there, but they you you can't you can't like not think about lemons when you drink this thing. So it's almost like drinking Lining Cooler Summer Shandy. You you if you've ever had one of those and you drink one of these, like you I I feel like I have that. It's like my my mind goes there. It's not the shandy, it's not the sugary soda taste, but it's just like, it, I feel it. And I can like imagine the bottle in my hand and it's yellow, just like the Samuel Adams bottle label is. And it's just like, I can like, I just think about line and cooler when I do this. When I, well, sorry, when I drink this. But that is what I'm partaking in tonight. Um... Hopefully this weekend can crush some more liquor bottles because I'm getting an itch for a margarita and I I don't want to buy more liquor yet. I don't. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm on my second bottle of Patron because the, <laughs> the first bottle that we bought at the beginning of the week was like, these are really good. And then <laughs> yeah. everybody in the house was drinking them and, you know, aside from the kids, but it was like, oh, 
we crushed a fifth of Patron, but we still have all kinds of extra everything because you know, it's three ounces of Patron compared to an mm-hmm. ounce and a half of everything else. And like, oh, well, crap. Yeah. If you're looking to try different tequilas, um, Patron to me is all right. It's good. Um, I like their their coffee liqueur one. They've got that's that's some tasty shit right there. But uh, my go-to tequila, and it was based off of uh, a recommendation that I got from someone at Total Wine. Like I walked in, I was like, I want tequila. I don't want Jose Cuervo, and I don't want I don't want uh, Patron. Like I've had Patron, like all this stuff. I want something different, and they're like, "Oh, well, here you go. Try this." And he says, "Anything with 100% agave, you really can't go wrong." But I personally like this one, El Padrino. I like that. It comes in a it's a square bottle, uh, gray top, uh, cork. Um, I really don't know why but i find everything that's corked to taste better if it comes with a screw cap it's mm, canadian club is is a little is, is a difference um haven't had canadian club in a while i won't lie whoa whoa uh, whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> there is nothing and i mean absolutely nothing wrong with the cc and seven man you, yeah. just, you get a Canadian Club and 7-Up and you have a 50-50 mix and you have a wonderful drink that you just sip on all goddamn night and have a lot of fun. But I will agree with you on the Patron not being my top choice for tequila. My top choice is actually the George Clooney tequila. I like Casamigos. Okay. It's my favorite. It's really pricey for what it was. And because we were mixing this and because I was listening to Stone Cold on his podcast or the the Hot Ones thing, um, he talked about it and he's like, oh, it's not my favorite tequila either. But you do Patron Silver because it has that little bit of a bite that the margarita needs instead of it just being smooth and sweet. So that you don't just like, oh, I downed it real fast because you're drinking out of a little... You know, low ball glass, you got to sip it down instead of, you know, you go to a restaurant and it's margarita mix and it's just sugar and maybe a shot of tequila. And you're like, oh, that one's gone. I'll, I'll have two more, please. Shit. But the Patron gives it a little bit of a bite, but the Patron Silver is a smoother bite than, you know, the really cheaper Patron. And it's not Jose Cuervo. <laughs> okay. No <laughs> gut rot. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, Jose Jose Cuervo is uh, uh, it's no no I I don't I don't remember what I had. Um, it was a little bit better than Jose Cuervo and a little bit worse than Patron. But we were at a bar in St. Pete's on they had like a first Friday kind of shindig thing that they do, and uh, I ordered six or eight shots of tequila. I got the bill for that, sixty freaking dollars. I was just like, dude, just sell me the damn bottle at that point, <laughs> like, like sixty bucks. 
for for that much that's oh my god that's six to eight shots man you got ripped unless it was high-end tequila but even then you should not have drank six to eight shots of high-end tequila you should have had two maybe three and then you go to the cheap shit after that because it doesn't matter well no i i bought it all at once for a bunch of people so there were women involved <laughs> i was younger I was dumber and, you know, a little more looser with my money than I am now. Uh, yeah, dude, I was in the army. I was very <laughs> loose with my money at the bars as well. I do believe that I've had a $50 shot of Patron, and it was like their grand something. That bottle's super expensive, and they weren't Jesus able to Christ. fill the shot glass all the way up, so they gave it to me for free because it was the last of the little bottle, but it was $50 a shot. If you ever get the chance to go someplace like a a whiskey bar or whatever and they're selling like you know like um the high ends like they they specialize like in all they specialize in whiskey and bourbon so you can get something from like bullets and jack all the way up to like uh what's it Oh, the most expensive one I can think of is, um, I lost it. It's Johnny Walker. Talking about like white label or blue label? It's blue label, but it's, it's, it's a specific one that's done. It's like, um, King George or something like that. Or something like that. It's, it's, it's like a really, really like expensive one. Don't get Johnny Walker. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. You can go and enjoy so much better stuff like uh, Glenn Levitt. Um, what's the one that you guys that had like the stag head on it? Uh, okay, I'm going to be honest. There are so many scotches and bourbons that I have plowed through that I've actually kept a list that I don't have on this computer right now. Okay. Uh, because it was I rated everything that I liked about it and what I didn't like about it, and if it was an everyday drinker or not an everyday drinker. But, dear God, don't waste your money on Johnny Walker. If you're looking for an everyday drink uh, and you really like scotch or at least want to enjoy scotch, dude, McCullen 12 is mm-hmm. fucking cheap as shit. It's like 40 50 bucks for a fifth, and... Damn, dude, that shit goes down smooth as hell. It's not the greatest scotch. Not at all. But it's really good for an everyday drinker. It was uh, Dalmore. Oh, yeah. I've only had one glass of that because I can't ever find it around me. Really yeah. good. Yeah, the 12-year goes for like $750. It's, uh, it goes for like $65. Bucks. Wine.com. That seems a little high. But yeah, there's so much, so many better ones. But yeah, <laughs> don't go for the most expensive one. It's not always your best bet. Because uh, if you ask me on flavor alone, personally, I mean, I am not a Scotch snob. I am not a liquor snob by any means. But you can do so much better than Blue Label. And you don't have to spend $200 for 750 milliliters. 
No, um, there's actually a relatively affordable, I'd say probably in the 40 maybe $50 range, and it's the Japanese Suntory Whiskey Toki, hmm. and that's really, really good. Now, if you're a cigar smoker and you really just want something that's going to go with a heavy cigar, the Lafroig 20 it's, I think, $45 at max is the greatest scotch to have with a cigar, in my personal opinion. If I'm just going to sit out back and smoke a cigar and enjoy a glass of scotch, the Laphroaig is a punch-you-in-the-mouth peaty, but that cigar cuts that, so it just becomes truly enjoyable. By itself, it can be a little too peaty at times, unless you like peaty scotch. Yeah. And that's something I had to get past personally was the this the peat taste. It's just so much smoke in your mouth. Uh and it's it's got this it's a really smoky taste and it's very I wanna call it earthy. But it's like day and night for with whiskey. It really is like it's you can't like you you have bourbon and you have whiskey and you have irish whiskey and then you go to scotch man it's peat peat all the way they burn that stuff you taste that it is i i mean it's that fuel source man how they how they smoke those barrels how they char them and everything it is night and day but oh yeah you definitely get a punch in the mouth if you go with a peaty scotch but there are really good scotches that are not peaty if you don't like peaty scotch yes but if you do get into scotch just make sure that it's the real mccoy because Holy shit. Ah, damn, I can't do this. Fuck. We'll have to go into another segment again. I was going to segue into what we were gonna one of the articles, but I That beer's sp- starting to kick your ass, man. It's like nah. a wheat beer, so it, you're drinking a sissy beer and it's whooping your ass here. <laughs> but it's like I can't remember what this was. I was gonna segue, but then I just got <laughs> silent and Oh nah. my god. I was going to segue into one of the articles, but then I realized that we still haven't talked about what we've been playing in our state of games, where where we pontificate on what we think the state of games are, if if we haven't played any games, or if we just want to add that in there. So, uh, Damoc, what's your uh, what's your state of games, bud? Do you have any games that you've actually played? I know you've been moving, so I'm going to go oh, with yeah. you. I'm deferring to you first. Are you going to defer to me? I actually have. Um, so uh, behind me is the Xbox One and the TV. So we got that. This we got all this stuff from Orlando moved up to here. Um, long story short, thank God for college hunks came in at the last minute and got us moved out. Um, it's not always best to go cheaper, folks. Uh, tried, failed, but and they didn't show. But uh, I got this hooked up on Wednesday night, and then the internet goes down, and so I didn't get to play. 
So last night, for about an hour, I played um, the Division Two. Still messing around with the new DLC stuff, um, and then uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Pokemon Go. Not gonna lie, uh, you know when I don't have time to play games, I've been doing that, and they've had a lot of like daily tasks of like go catch this, go catch that. Literally been sitting here while because some days work the the VPN is really slow and loading times and all this other stuff. Um, I just sit there and play for a little bit while I'm waiting for stuff to load. I've been able to catch a lot of stuff around here. So I've been going through, I've been going through those tasks that they have. Um, I think they're on. They did one for the Johto, Kanto. Uh, another on the. Is it the third? Or are they on the fourth now? I think I've missed one. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did. So they're on the third or the fourth generation right now for like the daily tasks, like. And at the end of it, you, you know, you complete these nine steps and each of them has three different things you have to do. And some of them are really simple and some of them are a little more challenging. But you end up getting to go and do, you complete this long research task and you catch one of the legendaries. So I've been doing that. Um, And hopefully I'm going to get back into some more gaming, but uh, we'll see how that goes. We still got some unpacking to do. So, that's my state of games. How about you, Damoc? Hey, man, I'm just impressed that you managed to do all that moving and you still played some games. Uh, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> me, uh, I've been a little lazy. Um, I picked up a couple new DLCs for Stellaris, so I played that during the early week. Uh, I've played a little bit of Titanfall 2, uh, Vintage gave me a copy of it, and I think he gave like three other people in the Discord a copy of it, and he was just giving them away, whoever wanted to play. Um, so I, I played a little bit of Titanfall 2 with Co and Cecil and Vintage, and it was interesting. It's been pretty fun, and, you know, since I had to install Origin, I, you know, unfortunately purchased Need for Speed Heat, and I've been playing Need for Speed Heat. Uh, for about 12 hours a day for the last two days. (laughs) It's been a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, uh, I quickly capped out at 50 for the the rep, and it's a Need for Speed game. If you've ever played Need for Speed, you know that it's rubber banding, you know how to cheat the system, Uh, but it is really, really fun. I, I really enjoyed the day and night system. So the night system, you go for reputation. The day system, you earn all of your cash, uh, that's been fun. Buying the cars have been fun. Unlocking the cars have been fun. I was going to buy their deluxe edition, but it was like $80. And I was like, no, never mind. And so Need for Speed Heat on Origin two days ago was $30. And if you go into the game and you say upgrade for an extra $10, you can get that deluxe edition instead of paying the $80 that they're asking for on their Origin store. So, you know. Good to know. I still didn't purchase the deluxe edition. I just found out that I can do super custom paint jobs on the cars, and I didn't really care about the cars that they were offering because it was mostly just paint job effects, which I was able to recreate on my own. (laughs) Nice. 12 hours a day of racing. 
Dude, have you been out driving in your car at all? Uh, yeah, dude. Today I had to go and get gas and make a, a run because I had to buy more uh, tequila because <laughs> I'd run out of it. Uh, we ran out yesterday, and I was like, oh, I'll go get some today after I finish working and all that. So uh, I don't race. Well, okay, so I drive like an asshole to begin with, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, just to be fair and clear across the board, I've taken a lot of offensive driving classes, not defensive driving classes. I've done a lot of offensive driving classes. Uh, the military kind of does that in, in, you know, certain areas. So I, I've taken a lot of those classes. I know how to drive properly offensively, even though I should not because I am no longer driving, you know, a 16-ton vehicle that can just plow over anything that it fucking gets in the way. And, you know, and I don't have a, an automatic weapon sitting in my lap to shoot out the windows <laughs> with. But, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to I need to drive more defensively, but I'm an asshole to begin with. However, knowing that I've been playing Need for Speed, I really cooled it going places because I can understand that, yeah, I played the game. Oh, I could totally fucking take this. I'm going to just tap the gas twice and rip the fucking rip <laughs> this way, and it would be great. Screech across and burn through, and I'd be like, no, nah, you know what? I'll just kill myself, and you know, or worst case scenario, I'll live and kill somebody else, and then you know, fuck that. So, I drive naturally sometimes, especially after playing Need for Speed, because I I don't want to kill somebody else. You you are better than I am, because every time I I like for like I remember played Forza for like a couple hours, and then I had to drive like three to four hours to go back home, and I was like. <laughs> I'm not driving like I should, but uh, yeah, it those those games kind of have an effect on me. I just I end up driving a little faster than I should, and I do that naturally, uh, a little faster than I should, not overly faster than I should, just a little bit, but not in my neighborhood. Um, when I go through my neighborhood or the the way to get to my neighborhood, because I cannot fucking stand the assholes that drive through. So we have. And I don't want to say this in a, a poor manner, or, like, or to put it poorly, uh, but it is the the low income rental units are like three turn ins over, and they're filled with speed bumps. So what people do is they come into my neighborhood, they fly around the corners and stuff like that, so they can get over to their house faster without having to go over twenty speed bumps. And mm. I'm like, uh, so. Uh, I don't want to say shitty because it is it is the low income, but I'm not calling them you know like poor pieces of shit because you know whatever. But I hate that those assholes do it through my neighborhood, and I want speed bumps in my neighborhood, even though no one else does. Yeah, yeah, you you are an exception to the rule. Uh, I never liked them, never wanted them in mine. And uh, ironically enough, this place that we live, uh, I always wanted to like warn people like you drive like a dick, they're going to put them in. It's a little small sign. It needs to be bigger, if you ask me. Just because I really, while I'm living, any place I live, as long as there's not speed bumps, I'm a happy freaking man. And I want that to stay like that forever. Like, I could be here for like a year. I could be here for two, three years. I don't know. It's a rental. But it's, it's a black and yellow sign that says, slow down. Only you can prevent speed bumps. <laughs> like Smokey the Bear. He's oh like, God, oh, only you can prevent forest fires. Only you can prevent speed bumps. 
I mean, people. Oh my god, I want that sign. So I'll go and fucking dig up the concrete and post it, man. It'd be great. Yeah, and I don't know. Everyone around here drives pretty reasonably. I haven't seen anyone like flying around anywhere. Um, meh. I mean, perception is everything. Um, if you're on the, if you're walking, someone's always gonna look like they're going fast. But, you know, if you're driving 20 miles an hour and you're passing people who are driving 15 miles an hour, you're really not going that fast. It's not until you put a speed gun in someone's hand and actually, like, clock cars. But, I mean, when you're on a bicycle and you're pedaling pretty hard and you're not going up a hill and you've got some decent speed to where you know you need to apply the brakes, like, really soon because you're coming up on the little intersection area... Uh, and then the car flies past you and then skids to a stop at the stop sign. Yeah. yeah. I don't need a speed gun for that one, but I got you. For the rest of the time, it can always seem faster than it is. But some people you can tell, and it tends to be the the really old Honda Civics, the really old Accords, the, the really old Oldsmobiles that are mostly rust at this point, and they come flying around the corners and... Somebody called the cops a couple months ago, and they posted right outside, and it's right to turn in, and the cop just sat there all night long, and all the people that came in, and we haven't seen people like speed to the neighborhood in six months or so, so so far that worked. Nice. Um, it's a shitty thing to have to do, but no, it's not fuck speed bumps. that. It's not you speed got... bumps, man. Yeah, like you're you're you go for walks you go to check your damn mail like you've got kids like fuck that like you need to you're you are on your last leg of your drive home slow the fuck down like right gonna, you're almost there man it's gonna save you what five seconds ten not seconds? even not even because then you're gonna have to slow down you're gonna back into your driveway it's so what was the big thing in uh it's a huge argument against speeding, right? And I'd have to go back and look at the math. But it was, you know, you can do 65 on the interstate. Or you can do 75 on the interstate. Now, if you were traveling 600 miles total, right? Total distance. Yes. Then that extra 10 miles an hour is going to actually equate to like 20 or 30 minutes. Depending, you know, could it calculate to more? I, I don't know the actual math on it. But then the... The average drive for most people to and from work or to and from the store is less than 20 to 30 miles. And it saves you almost nothing because all you're doing is speeding up to slow down and wait. And because all the other assholes that sped up are all slowed down as well, even more. And then you cause traffic. And I fucking hate people that cause traffic or drive in the left-hand lane and do the fucking speed limit, you assholes. Yeah. That's what I loved about the quarantine. Like, it was like, literally, like, people would use the lanes correctly. And to do the math for you, 600 miles, 60 miles an hour will take you 10 hours. 600 miles at 75 miles an hour will take you 8. So you will save 2 hours. Okay. Which... That that's 600 miles sense. you know that's right. that 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 makes the difference like you you literally would so if you had to go if you had an hour and you went 75 you would go 15 more miles than you would if you were going 60 
but traffic, buddy. You're only on the interstate for so yeah. long, and then you're going to sit at stoplights. And exactly. good luck trying to control stoplights. You're going to get stuck behind every other jackass at the end of rush hour. You know what? Go to Audible. Get the free trial for Audible. When the free trial ends for Audible, delete that email, get another one, set up another free trial for Audible, and just listen to audiobooks and calm your ass down, dude. And 95 has turned into, if you're not doing 95 in the left-hand lane passing, then your ass needs to be in the middle or the right-hand lane. The quarantine has made traffic so much better. Oh, God, yes, it has. I love it. And if you really need more audio content, you should check out the GNA podcast. Because we got 220-something episodes that you can enjoy, as long as there's not kids in the car. Well, see, I figure that they're already listening to this podcast. They've already caught up on everything that we've listened to before. No, but if we... not, I get really fucking drunk and say really, really dumb things sometimes. So, like, <laughs> the last two years, at least, there's a lot of fucking drunk Daymok saying really dumb shit. I think a lot of it's actually been censored. It got so fucking dumb. <laughs> no, we've only done that once. <laughs> uh, proud to say that our explicit tag has only caused us to censor someone once. But uh, anyway, uh, getting away from cars and speeding, let's let's move into some other illegal activities uh, or que- activities of questionable morality. So, and I quote, this is the title of the article, uh, AFP Romana Ortego Ivana Durante e, wait, no, yeah, e Germana Campos. Dude, where the fuck are you reading from? The, the top of the, the, above the picture, AFP, I, I'm guessing Romana or I mean, no. Romano or Tegu? No, that's Roman, dude. That's Romain, Rom, Roman Ortega. Yeah. Ivan Durante. And, and, yeah, it's like, it sounds like there's like, I don't know if these are supposed to be, I mean, normally when you have Hispanic names, you have longer last names. Uh, well, assuming you're the firstborn child, but it's the e is uh and so it's like to me that's like three different names and they're just capitalizing the last name but whatever so the the title of the article is mexicans dying from adulterated alcohol as beer runs dry so adultery is what i know the definition of adulterated means to make something of an inferior quality all right, let's be fair to everyone listening. Damoc didn't know what adulterated is. Neither I know did what adultery blue. is, right? But neither yeah. did Blue. Blue knew what adultery is, but not adulterated. So we had to look it up. And it is it, of poor quality. Yeah, so so basically, fancy term for, you know, like 1920s moonshine. Uh, so, or bootleg you know, so this that's what it is. So Mexicans are dying from bootleg alcohol as beer runs dry. So you thought you drank a lot. Well, in Pueblo, Mexico, scores of Mexicans are dying from a drink and adulterated liquor. It's the consequences of a shortage of mainstream alcoholic beverages during the corona. Oh, mainstream. Eh, okay. So, but apparently beer stocks were practically depleted within a month in some areas. The prices um, of what was left doubled, according to industry sources. So they don't have anything to protect. Well, I guess that 
we don't have anything to protect beer price gouging because that's not considered to be a vital item. Even oh, though, oh no, you you are absolutely incorrect. We absolutely do have limits on alcohol price gouging and all of that, as liquor store and alcohol was deemed an essential fucking item. <laughs> uh, that came out during the immediate quarantine of everything. The president, you know, President Trump came out and it was one of those things on the list it is deemed an essential thing because do you know what happens when you start depriving people who are alcoholics of alcohol? You flood hospitals real quick. Yeah, that and also when you get people who have to deal with their kids for several hours a day when they used to go to work and get an escape from them or from their significant others, you know, it's it starts to get a little, uh, you start to need something else, you know, to, to keep you keep you sane through the day. Oh, yeah, and it's been killing me, man. I know that it's a rolled up piece of paper, but you're handling that thing like a cigarette, and I'm just like, God, Blue is just... He's just going to spark that bitch right there. And his wife's going to come in, kick down that door, and strangle him. I studied a lot of actors. And actually, that was one of one of the interesting... The things that interested me was actually uh, was, uh, um, acting. You know, so like skits, funny things like that. And like actually like theater. So like you, you pay attention to someone... And what they do and their habits and you know what's what is good and what's not like this is not the way to hold a cigarette. This is sometimes the way to hold a cigarette. This is how a lot of people and this is how some people hold them. But I remember one of my butts uh, in the high school. He saw this in my hand. He's like, dude, let me see that. He's like, he looks at it and he examines it. And uh, let's see. So I don't That's know if you can tight roll, man. That's yeah, like pinhole. <laughs> yeah. So so literally, so this is an eight and a half eleven sheet, cut into four pieces. So literally, this this is this is uh this is eleven inches long. And I I he saw this and he's like, dude, that's fucking tight. He's like, dude, if you ever start smoking, you could roll some really good joints and huh. He's like, how the fuck did you learn how to do that? And I was like, Boy Scouts. He's like, what the fuck? I was like, it's like, it became a game. Every time we had to to break camp and pack things up, became a game. Who could get their tent or their sleeping bag to fit back into the bag and have like the largest gap at the top of the bag? So like when the factory like packs it up they like that bitch is sucked out of all air and it is like rolled by a freaking machine or whatnot and it, it fits in there perfectly and they make the bags just a little bit longer because not everyone's going to do that but literally it was like i learned you fold it fold it and then you roll and then you your buddy goes on the other end and you unroll it as they roll it back and that's how you get it tight so like you roll it to a point where you push out the air and then it's comes to a point where like all the air is pushed out and then you have your buddy come back and help push out the little bit that's left of the air by rolling it and so you're just like keeping a roll 
and you're pushing up another roll up against it so it just keeps it nice and tight until eventually it runs out and you just have this one very tight roll so that's how i learned how to do this like literally i take a piece of paper that's fresh you know it's you know been straight and i literally just cut it into pieces and then i just like roll it and then I roll from the other side. And I just keep doing that and doing that and doing it and doing it and doing it until eventually it gets down to this. And it stays like this after it's been like worn down a few times. <laughs> but yeah. Now, uh, you're an engineer, right? So yes. when you're cutting the paper, are you using like a ruler? Are you using measurements to get the exact, I want it to be this long exactly like this and set it all up? Or are you just taking a pair of scissors like the rest of us and going, eh, that's good enough? So I used to, um, I used to measure it cause I, I had a, I had a random scrap of paper the first time that I did this and I was just like rolling it and just out of boredom. And then I realized, Oh, it kind of looks like fun. Um, so I used to measure it and then I realized that I'm just stupid. Why the hell should I do this? Let's just make it what it should be. So I take the eight and a half 11 and I fold it in half. And then I fold that again, so I get four folds. And those folds are perfect lines, and you just take the scissors and you run across it. But we have this really cool thing at the office that, like, slices off, like, uh, plotter paper. So you get, like, these long plots, or you need to, like, you know, you want to just quickly cut something and have, like, a nice straight edge. So I literally take those, and I put them over there, and I fold it down, and I run the thing across, and perfect cut. Perfect cut. Perfect cut. <laughs> no, none of my coworkers has asked me in my my last three years, three plus years working there. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but in case they ask, I'm I prepare for these saints. They're bookmarks. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. I love it, man. I love it. Oh, dear God. That is... I knew there was going to be something in there. You had to have something that was cutting it to just it because it looks like just perfect. And whenever I get paper, oh, yeah. it's like slightly off on one tip and then I got to like take more scissors to it. Yep. I, I This is a practice art. I've been doing this since high school. <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. I've I've... <laughs> I've had this habit for a very long time, Damoc. I can't seem to kick it. You know, when they legalize everything across the board, your house is the first place I'm coming, man. (laughs) I've actually never rolled a joint in my life, but I'm interested to try and see how it comes out. Uh, Because all I know is that at the end of it, because this is, you know, this is just, you know, paper rolled. You know, there's no contents in there. All I know is that eventually you have to twist the ends and you've got to... I know people lick them. No, man, you've seen too many movies. You don't have to twist no ends, man. There's no... You don't have to do that. You can if you want to. And some people do, but only one end would be twisted because you have to have something for it to pass through to get into your lungs. But yes, people do yes. lick them, by the way, to seal them. Because the saliva on, you know, zigzags and all of that, actually. Or even if you were to get something wet, just slightly and do it. But Yeah. Know, I mean, if you're 
you're sharing a fucking <laughs> if you're sharing a cigarette of that type, you know, you don't worry about the one person licking it because it's going in several mouths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, where were we? Oh uh, yes. Uh, uh, bootleg Mexican alcohol. So. So, so they they don't have the price gouging uh, uh, protections that we have here in the U.S. So they've got that, but they've had as many as like fifty three depths in the Pueblo province. Um, and uh, Jalisco's seen at least one hundred and twenty one deaths. So it's yeah. pretty bad, man. Like they literally shut down the factories. I, I skimmed the article uh, with you earlier, and we looked at it. Yeah, dude, they literally shut down all the factories producing all liquor and beer. And now their liquor is not depleted, but their beer stocks were practically delete, uh, depleted in the first month. And that's that's pretty insane to think about it. So uh, I've been to the border. I've been into Mexico and all of that. And I haven't done it as an adult. I've been to the border as an adult uh, when I was in Fort Bliss in Texas. And the people that was around there used to go into Mexico on Friday nights because their beer there, if you want to get a Corona, dude, it's like 30 pesos, right? So it's five to 10 cents American. And you go over there and you just drink beer all night long. And then as long as I think the rule was 10 o'clock or is it nine o'clock, you get to the hotel before that time. Because that's when the Mexican police would harass you, at least where they were going to drink right across the border. I guess if you go deeper into Mexico, it may be a whole different story and you may not get harassed by the police. But other than that, so they would go back and they would get hotels. And they said it was even during the the nastiest parts that they were talking about. The borders have always been relatively safe. For Americans to cross over because, you know, that dollar goes a real long way when you're spending hundreds of thousands of pesos because, you know, it's only like a hundred bucks American. But I don't think it's the same on the other side. I think like a lot of border towns in Texas have crime problems. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I would say that the crime problem is on the U.S. side of it. The Mexico side, for the most part, now it's not to say that the Mexico side is perfect, but for the most part, the the quote-unquote tourist dollar that comes from the United States is far more valuable than the peso, which is kind of sad because they've been our neighbors for how long? And yeah, yeah, yeah look at the Canadian dollar compared to ours. Like, holy crap, you're paying yeah. almost double what we pay. Yeah. I mean, there's been a time where we've been more powerful than the Canadian dollar, but yeah, they are—they're doing a lot better than um, Mexico. But that I think that comes down to the difference between being a former British colony versus not. I mean, that's that's one of the differences between Mexico and Canada. Is Canada was a former British colony, and I think there was also French too. Oh yeah, it was definitely a French colony as well. But, dude, looking at it, like, they were talking that they were getting beers for about 20 pesos uh, over the border. Just to put it in perspective, one peso is four cents American. Yeah. Uh, You want a whole lot of pesos in your hand, take 20 bucks and go over the border and uh, don't get jumped. 
but uh yeah they're uh they're having a lot of they're having a lot of problems um gangs the mafia yes people there are problems over there with that crap there are places where if you get on a bus and you're driving from one place to the next in mexico and i'm not talking like within a city i'm talking like leaving towns and cities to go to other places if your driver has not paid the the highway the highwayman you know to put this kind of in like a, a layman's term kind of a thing you guys in fucking trouble like there's a oh yeah you pay you pay the you pay these people to keep from fucking up your passengers so if they aren't paying then you're in trouble because oh yeah no doubt dude mexico can be a scary place um yeah it, it really can be and there's a lot of craziness that goes on there there's a lot of craziness that goes on on our side of the border as well um but and there are places that you have to pay highwaymen as well. You know, you just don't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mexico, have fun if you're going to have fun. Right now is not the time, uh, of course, during quarantine. And uh, it doesn't seem like their alcohol is doing so great at this moment in time. So I'd hold off and drink the Corona because it's not made in Mexico. It's made here in the States. And so is uh, Tecate is made here in the States, even though it says... You know, it was made in Mexico, and it's made here. Wasn't it originally, wasn't Corona originally done in, um, uh, wasn't it originally made in Mexico, though? Because it's an, it's an imported beer. It's always been called an import. All right, so there's a problem with the way that we have imported beer in the United States. It's the way that, unfortunately, the government allows advertisers to illegally tell us stuff, or I guess not illegally, because it is legal for them. It's unscrupulous right it's shitty um do you know most of the blue moon that you drink the blue moon is supposed to be imported or the heineken heineken is an imported beer heineken's brewed and bottled here in the united states i believe it's actually done in new york uh for the most really? part now there is heineken overseas absolutely it's supposed to be from holland i believe uh, and they do have factories there and the same thing that comes with everybody's big favorite when they're going to drink a dark beer. It's Guinness. Well, guess what? Guinness is also bottled and brewed here in the United States as well. But because the company remains an overseas company, they can slap that imported from wherever on it because the original recipe was imported. It's a lot of weird shit that the United States does that if you look like European laws, they don't allow that garbage. They really don't. You can't say free-range organic. You can't say that it's non-GMO. You can't say those kinds of things because it's not true. And if you say organic, you have to define what organic is and what pesticides and everything that you use. Unlike the United States where we say it's non-GMO, it's organic, it's friendly, it's free trade, it's blah, blah. They can stamp all that stuff on it that they want to as long as one portion of what they were doing was organic or one portion was free trade so uh it's one of those fucked up things yeah i mean if you go to corona usa and you scroll to the bottom it says you know proudly brewed in mexico i mean i'm sure i'm sure they're you're right like it's the fact that they're they're in one place and owned in one place and that's where they choose to operate from um and Heineken chooses to operate overseas, 
but I'm sure you know, you know the Corona you buy is probably not made in Mexico. I mean, there's it's funny. Um, some places, um, actually you give them like recipes and stuff and they make shit for you. Uh, barbecue sauce, you got this recipe you've been crafting for all these years. You can hire someone, give them the recipe, tell them how to make it, you know, go through the process with them. They'll, they will literally sit down with you and like, let you walk them through everything and you can show and demonstrate and they'll be like, all right. And then that's how they'll do their QC process. So like, it has to be made this way. It has to, you have to do this. If you have a step in there and it says you have to do a little jig as you're stirring something, then you do the little freaking jig. Um, but it's like, just because it's Sweet Baby Ray's, it could literally be made in the same plant as Heinz 57 or something else like that. Like we have... You know, places that make stuff. There's chocolatiers. Um, one of the chocolatiers uh, here in Jacksonville used to make chocolate for Mars. And then they they sold that off and they only do artisan chocolate now. Like there are places that do crap like that. Like Mars chocolate isn't necessarily made only at a Mars factory. It's made sometimes at other places. You know, it's so... It's kind of weird how uh, how you can still call it an import when literally it's just it's done here. But I guess it all comes down to where does the money have to go? Does it have to go out of the states or does it stay here in the U.S.? But then again, wait, isn't uh, Anna- it goes out, man? It goes out as uh, I'm looking at the articles for it. Anheuser Busch bought Corona, the brand, okay, uh, a long time ago. They also bought several other brands as well then they were producing corona inside the united states and labeling it as uh produced in mexico and then from there they moved it out of the united states in a 2019 and moved it to china where they were brewing corona in china and then the way that they're getting around it which is a, a interesting read if i'm reading this correctly uh is that they take it from china they take all they take the beer and then they ship it to Mexico and then Mexico bottles it and then ships it to the United States so they're getting it that way even though yeah sometimes the beer was actually made in the United States shipped over the border bottled quote unquote and then shipped back into the states it's kind of like some fabrics fabrics made in the US clothing assembled in the Philippines yeah yeah pretty much like you're like it's that made in taiwan it was assembled in taiwan it was made down the street from me so the biggest thing for alcohol is i'm a a big sushi eater and a sake fan right and osaka sake is made in hollister california the town where i was born and bred right nice Uh, uh yeah so i mean i was born in san jose but yeah i grew up in hollister and all of that and the, the osaka company makes sake right there it's imported from japan but brewed in hollister california hmm. it's weird i wonder if you could call scotch scotch if we started making it here in the u.s you know there was a big debate and i think we started talking about it didn't new york start making bourbon damn new yorkers 
thought it was New York or somebody started putting yeah. bourbon. And traditionally, bourbon can only come out of like Kentucky and Tennessee. That's right. Well, no, Tennessee's whiskey, Kentucky's bourbon. Well, I mean, whiskey can come out of anywhere, but to label it bourbon, I thought it had oh. to be a certain region. Yes, and then it has to be Kentucky. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> getting back on track. So a lot of people are dying during all this time from, you know, bootleg liquor. Um, just goes to show you people that uh, you should be really grateful that you guys live in the U.S. Because as fucked up as we are sometimes and fucked up as a lot of the shit is, and I'm not going to get too far into this because it's going to take us down a path that we're not supposed to go down with politics and all that other good stuff. But it's just... Things like this, like, you have to go out of your way to find this stuff these days. You can't go to, like, Total Wine, ABC, Publix, Walgreens. Like, you got to go to some place where the guy's either selling stuff under the table or is, you know, selling stuff from the back room. Like, this isn't necessarily as prevalent as it is in this article at least as this article makes it out to be like there's a lot more regulation and restrictions on a lot of stuff that we've got here and you know that kind of helps keep people a little bit safer so i disagree with the ability to get bootleg liquor in the united states i have found it to be incredibly easy um, and I've gotten some through a contact at, at one of the stores that you listed, but I'm not going to say. Um, it was somebody that I, I was drinking beer with and talking beer with and had a good time, and he was able to introduce me to it. But I think in the United States, people are all about repeat business. They want repeat customers, and what they do is they're not brewing to sell to all of their you know all these random people they're brewing it for themselves and they're brewing it for you know their family members and all of that so when you do get your hand on that fucking mason jar that is just clear liquid with a peach that's been peeled inside of it and they say hey damox sip this slowly man and you're like oh okay sure you take the big gulp and then the second big gulp and it goes around and like the third time it comes around you can't lift your arms up yeah dude you can you can still get the good stuff, and I think the quality control is better because we're not trying to do it for the mass public anymore. It's not prohibition anymore. Alcohol is fucking everywhere in the United States, right now. If we were to hit a spot like Mexico, then yeah, I think we'd see the same type of deaths because people would be fucking making goddamn toilet wine. Yeah, gut rot. I mean, was it formaldehyde? Is what they used to cut some of the stuff with to get? Oh man, just just fucking bad coils in general. The way that they were brewing it was just, oh, we have to hide it out in the woods. Now, shit, you can buy a home brew kit for all kinds of things. Right next to me is not my beer kit. My beer kit's upstairs. I have a whiskey kit and a tequila kit next to me that you can brew in your house legally now. Yes, but you can only make so much of that. There's some guys who like to make the, what they, they, they make is quality. But what they're doing is they're getting around having to 
buy the taxes or pay the taxes that they have to pay to sell it. So they'll make quantity that exceeds what you're legally allowed to make in order to sell for a profit, but they'll still get quality stuff. And a lot of, you know, what you talk about, a lot of the guys, you know, like we want this shit to have a good name because we want people to come back. We're not, you know, you want to go drink rubbing alcohol under the sink, then go drink rubbing alcohol under the sink. But we're not selling that shit. We're selling good stuff. Right. I mean, nowadays you go over to a buddy's house and he's been bottling his own beer for the last like 10 years. Everybody in the neighborhood and all of his friends know about it. You go over there, you drink one of his beers, you get super sick or you fucking die. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever you're with or whatever is going to rat, rat that fucking buddy out. And they're going to start testing your body for alcohol poisoning and anything crazy right off the bat. Because here in the States, I mean, you can't smoke weed in most places because it's still illegal but some places are getting a lot better about it so what can you do we can get really fucked up and destroy our internal organs with alcohol <laughs> every yeah and you only got to be 21 and that's not hard and they don't really prosecute minors as much as they should yeah i mean not to say that pot's any better i mean you inhaling shit's not good for you eating this stuff eh, i don't really know but yeah, we we do a lot of drinking. We didn't we didn't get a war. We did not start a war over drinking. <laughs> At least not recently. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Instead, there's been a war that's been going on within Daymok. Daymok has been having a battle of his conscience and just just you know, you when you really reach this point in your life when you just really just you're grappling with your own like self-dignity and like self-respect and you know like you just you really have a lot of like standards like i'm never ever going to give them money but then something comes along and you just eh you kind of slip and, you know, you, you start talking about things. But, Damoc, why don't you talk about how how EA's managed to uh, pry money out of your not-dead, cold, lifeless fingers? This is going to be a long one, man, and a rough one. I'm going to try and keep it as short as I can, but um, I hate EA. EA, what, fuck, I want to say, like a 100 years ago, bought Westwood Studios, the original makers of Command & Conquer. Command and Conquer is my childhood game. I'm a Westwood fan, true and true. I I didn't like the Command and Conquers that came after the acquisition of Westwood when EA, you know, heartlessly bought them and all of that. I have not enjoyed any of the games since then. Uh, EA randomly decided, fuck it, we're gonna take the original Command and Conquer. We're going to take its expansion, the Covert Operations. We're going to grab Red Alert. We're going to grab its expansions, Counter-Strike and Aftermath. We're going to revamp them from the ground up for 4K. But we're going to keep them the same. It's going to be the same game across the board. We're just going to have the option to toggle on the old graphics to the new graphics. We're going to have it so that you can play the game in 4K, which I don't even know how it's going to work. Uh... 
I, I've watched the trailer at least a million times, and I'm not even kidding. Like, ha like a million of those clicks on that video is me from just refreshing and looking at things. Uh, I, I don't know. It's going to be fantastic, and they really tugged at a heartstring. And now I'm sitting here going, well, it's EA. There's going to be something. They're going to sell me the expansions at full price. They're going to launch the game at $60. They're going to launch each expansion at $60. They're going to be some tie into something. It's going to be always on, right? They'll have something. It's an always on. You have to be fucking online to access the game. It's going to be something just... God damn it, dude. They're going to ruin it. And who's making it? Is it EA? No, it's not EA. They reached out to Petroglyph Studios. Petroglyph Studios hosts most of the old Westwood developers after they departed EA. So they literally got the heart and soul of Westwood to revamp the game from scratch, paid them to do it. Are they going to charge for the DLCs? No. You're going to get Command & Conquer. You're going to get Command & Conquer the Covert Operations. You're going to get Red Alert and Red Alert Aftermath and... Uh, Oh, fuck, how did I blink on the other one? You're going to get all the, the expansions, right? You're going to get the first game. It's one expansion. Red Alert, it's two expansions. Counter-Strike and Aftermath. All of that in 4K. Not always on. They're going to include a campaign editor. They're going to include a map editor. They revamped the entire soundtrack from the original creator of the soundtrack for the game. For $20. For twenty fucking dollars, that was the fastest I've ever hit purchase in my life. And not only, not only is it going to be on EA's Origin, I bought it on Steam. I get it June fifth on Steam with everything. And then I'm sitting there going, "It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great." You know, I'm I'm not gonna worry about it so much. Um, it, I'm, I'm just going to play it. I'm going to get that nostalgia kick from being... Oh, shit, dude. I don't even know how old I was when I got it. It was... Fuck. I got the original Command & Conquer that ran on DOS, and then I got Command & Conquer Gold, which ran on Windows 95. And that was my childhood. I grew up on Command & Conquer. Not only did they decide to just, you know, throw all that in there for $20, they just... Oh, excuse me. They just announced on the 20th that they, after it is all released on June 5th, that they are releasing the rest of the game and all of its source code entirely on the GNU General Public License to support the modding community 100%. They are releasing the source code as a free public license across the board. And they didn't even bother incorporating it with Origins Launcher. They incorporated it with Steam. So if I'm looking at this wonderful article that I found that, you know, gave me this massive erection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last paragraph. Players will be able to use mods and custom maps whenever they are playing via Steam or via EA's Origin Game Launcher. Though, the process to use the custom assets differ significantly for each. On Steam, EA is going to fully integrate and support the Steam Workshop to distribute maps, mods, and you'll be able to download all the content from both the game's community hubs and inside each game directly through Steam, 
or if you're playing on EA's Dead Origin, uh, you'll be able to download the maps in-game, but you'll need to install the mods manually. So you have to go to a separate site, and some mods might not be available. They're releasing it for $20. Then they're giving away the source code for free so that the modding community can run with it for the next 20 years. EA, you have my money. Shit, I gave you another $30. I bought Need for Speed Heat because you did a good. You did a good. And I I hate you so much, but you did a good. <laughs> this is like when those private law firms do pro bono work. EA is trying, right? to, trying to build up their reputation to be... We're not that bad. But see... And I've really struggled with that because I'm looking at it and I'm going, how big was Command and Conquer? Did you play Command and Conquer or Red Alert? So I'm not an RTS guy. I played StarCraft. Really wasn't into it too much though. Okay, but did you ever play a Command and Conquer game? Did you play Generals or anything like that? No, I never played it. And that's what I'm looking at. And that's, I started asking around to a lot of friends and, you know, some co-workers and all of that. I was like, hey guys, have you ever played Command & Conquer? And most of them were like, uh, I played Generals briefly, but that was about it. And I was like, no, 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 like the original stuff from like Westwood Studios. And, you know, aside from a handful of people that I grew up with, uh, everybody's answer was, no, I was more into StarCraft, more into StarCraft. StarCraft is the bigger pool of players overall. I think that one just... So, General... Or, sorry, Command & Conquer was before StarCraft, right? And then StarCraft really kicked it off. And before Command & Conquer, it was actually Dune 2000. And so, Westwood Studios made a Dune game. Um, and it was really interesting. It was pretty much a Command & Conquer game. Uh, but then they released Dune? Command & Conquer. or Dune? Dune. D-U-N-E. Based the off Spice of Herbert... Flow. Oh, Wow. Oh, yes, dude, it predates Command & Conquer. It, it was playable on DOS, man. Interesting. It, yeah, so they had a, a Dune game, and they did all that wonderful stuff, because everybody knows that id Software made Doom. Yeah, I'm just right? making sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm making sure. Yeah. No, but they... God, dude, I mean, Command & Conquer is, yes, it's a well-known RTS game. It's a, a genre-defining game because it really changed the way RTSs work and play on a computer. But it wasn't as big as I think StarCraft is. So EA is releasing this, and yes, it's hitting you know some major headlines, but most people are, I, I, I want to feel like they're dismissing it. And that's fine. If you're not into it, you're not into it. Um, but I don't think EA is getting the public attention with releasing this game the way that they're releasing it. Right? So, I mean, okay. you would think if they had their hands on Activision Blizzard and they released StarCraft and they did this to StarCraft, it would be worldwide attention and everybody and their brother would be like, oh my God, it's StarCraft and EA's releasing it and it's going to be 4K and it's going to be free to this and it's going to support everything and everybody would be losing their fucking minds over it. And here I am losing my mind over Command & Conquer because my damn childhood. Like, oh man, I used to play in the old Westwood fucking online thing on dial-up and I had a little 14.4 modem we got in there and that dude, 
I swear. <laughs> so I'm a big tank rusher. Uh, I was. I'd build a whole bunch of war factories so I could set them all up and just produce a shit ton of tanks as fast as I could so I could blitzkrieg them across the border. Man, I had so many people compare me to Hitler when we were playing that game online. Because <laughs> all I did was Blitzkrieg tanks. Like, shitty tanks, right? It wasn't even the good medium tanks or the heavy tanks or the fucking mammalist tanks or anything like that. I was just, let me just produce a shit ton of light tanks and some artillery. Just Blitzkrieg them as fast as I could across the map into their base. God, good times, man. Good times. But, I, I mean, if you've never played Command & Conquer, it's $20. Right, it, it is a pre-order. It comes out June fifth. You don't have to pre-order. EA got my pre-order money like months ago. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> believe they said that. But uh, yeah, it, it's twenty bucks. It's Command and Conquer. It's Command and Conquer: The Covert Operations. It's Command and Conquer: Red Alert. Plus, it's two expansions: uh, Aftermath and Counter Strike. And yeah, then, then after that, the mods because the Command and Conquer community has remained really true and really loyal. There are going to be so many mods, man. Shit, I got expelled from high school because of Command & Conquer. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, no. That, I mean, I, I legitimately got expelled from high school because of Command & Conquer. <laughs> it, it's a shitty story, man. I got quote-unquote terroristic activities. Oh, my God. no one knew computers at the time. We're a bunch of computer nerds playing computer games. Yeah. There's a rules.ini file because you know what an ini file is right it's like no text oh, it's like a text file on your computer that is read by the program specifically well in the rules.ini you can modify because command and conquer has a nuclear missile you can modify the nuclear missile properties so there we were there was like five of us writing out in class and stuff like that, how we were modifying the rules and what we could really get away with because we you know, printed it out and had these little binders. And whenever we complete all our damn work, we were sitting there bored out of our fucking minds. So we're like, all right, cool, let's do this. My buddy, uh, I don't want to say his name, but my buddy would grab flashcards and on the flashcards, he was hardcore into StarCraft and he would draw out the little Marines and then he would draw out their hit points and then all the stuff. And then under that, he would do what each upgrade did. He was yeah, a little nerdy, love him to death, but a little <laughs> nerdy when it came to that. So he drew out yeah. all the Space Marine stuff and I was sitting there with the rules that I and I with, uh, you know, a couple other people and we were modifying the nuclear missiles. Then we started drawing diagrams of it and, that's not a good idea for <laughs> people that don't know what the fuck a computer game is. Especially in the early 90s, man. Not so good. Yeah. I got... Yeah. I, I drew a lot of guns. I drew a lot of guns in elementary school. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't <laughs> I, until, I didn't get into a lot of trouble for that. Um, I think maybe one teacher was like, yeah, you should probably stop doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, uh, no, man, the, the, the rules that I and I was the, the tip of the iceberg, man. I had a buddy write a, a really long story about how these kids like got, they were within a nuclear blast and they gained superpowers and he was, you know, we're high school kids, dude. So he wrote a story mm -hmm. about us going to our local high school and like beating up all the bullies because, you know, though we got picked on, dude, we're nerdy as shit. So yeah, <laughs> right. And yeah, that 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 story made its way to the principal's office real fast. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Those those were the uh, those were the interesting days.
Oh man, the '90s were fucked, dude. Seriously, because they can't reference anything or look it up because the teachers' school computers are fucking just super crap, and yeah. it's just absolutely horrible to do anything. And you try and talk to them, hey, it's a computer game, and they're just like, ah. Yeah, I know. Nah. Don't want to listen, but uh, thankfully. Uh, uh, you're able to uh, relive this time period and hopefully not get expelled. Um, I mean, what are they going to do at this point, dude? Yeah, um, right. They're going to confiscate my computer and realize that I've been modifying the rules.ini, which I swear, I fucking hope that the rules.ini is still in the root folder <laughs> so that I can make the stupid little changes. I'm not counting on it, but I really want it. Awesome. Well, if not, you can always make a mod to make those changes. But I wonder if uh, EA would have done this so cheaply without going after you for more money or being always online if this was a more popular game. Not to say I don't know Command why they're remaking it. It's, uh, I mean, I think that's been one of their, I want to say, is it? Nope. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nope. You, you're gonna you're gonna say all this wonderful stuff. Nope. Nope. It's not not been there. Uh... Nope. Okay. Command and Conquer Generals had a decent sales chart, right? Red Alert Two was relatively decent, but as far as the RTS genre has gone, it isn't one of the big names. Uh, it, it really died off years and years and years ago. Hmm. Well, good news for you. Right? I, I get to relive my childhood in 4K resolution Command & Conquer and the Red Alert, so uh, with both expansions for $20, I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some pretty good stuff right there to get that. All that, all that for 20 bucks. I'd call that a good deal. I mean, if you like that kind of stuff and you're into RTSs, and why not? But uh, moving on, because we're getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, so, no surprise, Valve quietly releases a censored Steam China client to Alpha. So, there's a Chinese version of Valve's Steam client uh, announced in 2018, but the Alpha version of the Steam client has now appeared. Recent update to the Steam client uh, revealed Valve not only is still working on the long-awaited Steam China client, but, is, but that client itself has officially moved to the alpha stage. Uh, there's no official Steam China servers online. The client is, uh, contains the hallmarks of the software approved by the Democratic People's Republic of China. Uh, China's ruling party. Uh yeah, if that isn't an oxymoron in itself. Uh, but yeah, so China has got some very strict rules about their their games. Um, if you want to re-release a AAA title and you want it to go out to China, well, you've got to follow their rules and their standards. Uh, Battlefield 4? Or was it 3? I want to say it was four, um, where China was the enemy. 
or a rogue agent of China was the enemy, yeah, not going to fly. Never going to get released. Um, yeah, they're, they're strict about that kind of stuff, political stuff, other things. I uh, think some things of violence as well. Uh, Australia is rough on, like... Europe, man. Europe is super rough. You can't have blood. It's got to be green. They got to be aliens. Yeah, I mean they're kind of rough on this stuff, but uh, China, China is really freaking rough. But I mean, it's a communist country. I'm sorry, uh, People's Democratic Republic. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. So they've released it. Uh, still in alpha. It's trying, you know, it's Steam just trying to make more money. I mean, China has its own, like, system, you know, it does with gaming and how to prove certain games, but this is just Valve just, you know, seeing if they can make some more money so they can figure out how they're going to delay the next Half-Life game and make the following one. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> but uh before before we uh get too far along i think there was some questions do 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 what do you know i think i've already answered my own question <laughs> uh so cecil asked that a long time uh, what are the five most important video games to you throughout your youth or teen years no Curating. You said Cecil asked that? I asked that. No, no, Cecil had asked a question. I'm like, anybody still reading these questions on the show? But you you had asked, what are the five most important video games throughout your youth or teen years? Um, oh, so... Five most important games. Hmm. Super Mario World was pretty pretty big. Um, that taught me a lot about um, puzzles, a lot about persistence. Um, there were times where we had to ask my my buddy Alex's father to help us out with this. Uh, like when you get stuck on a level, we ask him for help. Like I learned so much from that game because there was like Nintendo Power magazines reading through how to do stuff. There was, you know, countless like hours spent trying to to collect everything to to deal with like camera manipulations and like patience. So much play patience. The reason why I walk slowly across thin ledges is because of Mario, Super Mario World sixty four. That is the reason why I do that shit because my god, if you just too much, boop, off the edge. Um, probably also taught me a lot of patience with um, broken games, controls that weren't the greatest, cameras that weren't the greatest because you know, people bitch about that stuff now, but I'm just like, if you played some of these games, like Banjo-Kazooie going back, my god, that's horrible. Like, Super Mario World just taught me that. Um, my love of story. I probably picked that up 
through um, Zelda Ocarina of Time. One of the few games that I had played and deleted the save file or create a new save file and go through again and again and like really go not just like do all the main stuff like going through doing the sides getting this getting that um i played the shit out of that game um and one of these boxes i'm pretty sure i still have that game um whether or not the battery still works i don't know um that was a very important game as well for me. Um, Splinter Cell is very. I I really I really loved that game for like the stealth, um, the manipulations, taking things, situations, and doing them in all sorts of different ways. Like there wasn't just. There, there became more than one way to handle something, and it was like going back and playing the game and then like being a little bit louder than normal. But like literally just like creeping through nice and quiet and just make a noise here. Scare the shit out of someone. And then like go someplace else and just like feeling, you almost felt like a god really in that game because it was like, literally it was like this guy, like, what was that noise? And you're like literally like hanging above them from a pipe and just going, oh, you're going to find out soon, bud. It's going to be the last thing you do that you know, but you're going to find out soon enough. So, so that's three. Man, you got me on that one. I thought I had like five of them really easy to bang out because I know my childhood, but you mentioned Splinter Cell. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah right yeah that oh, man i love the original splinter cell on the old ass xbox and just having a good time with it yeah it was fun um pokemon gotta catch them all i since since joining this podcast and talking with cyber i never truly understood pokemon like i i should have as a kid i mean stats to me it was a pikachu was a pikachu was a pikachu you caught one in the first area his level was lower you caught one in a later area his level was going to be higher um he may have not learned certain attacks but like there was like there's deeper levels than just the attacks you learn at this this and this and this and this level and like, you know, if you evolve Pikachu too soon, he will never learn these attacks and, you know, like, but Raichu gives you this and that, but it's like, there's so many more stats to these Pokemon and I never truly appreciated that and understood that until playing with Zyber and I've just have a more appreciation for that game. Um, but I loved that as a kid. I played the crap out of that game. Um, catching them, raising them. For for years, wishing to wake up into that kind of a world. It's just... That, that was a cool game. Um, a lot of imagination from that game. A lot of ideas came out of that. Same with Zelda. Uh, and then my final game 
from my youth and my childhood. It's hard to think about this. Like, it's like what games really stick out or games that I bought a lot of. Because back then it wasn't like too buying... many, man. Oh yeah, too many. The, I mean, and Colin, the worst part is, it's not too many. Because at the time, how much money did you have or your parents <laughs> yeah, have no. to buy these things? You're like, I only had like ten Nintendo games. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hmm. What was it? Zone of Enders. The Fist of Mars. Okay, so mech game. Game Boy Advance. Uh I think they had a PlayStation game. But so you're Flying to a Mars colony, I believe. And you discover this mech. And you end up becoming the pilot in this game. Um, Your closest friend turns evil. You meet some random girl who doesn't really know much about her past. But the amount of time that I had to spend moving people across the battlefield approaching things in different ways supporting my max with one character one player and protecting another stats updating that paying attention to the strategy like how i wanted things on i played that game once and then i played it a second time and i played it you know a little bit differently i'd you know learned more like where i'm going to spend money where i'm going to spend points and then also the fact that you could change how the game turns out based on what you do. And I never I own I never owned Star Fox 64. So I remember like if you didn't protect someone you law you know, you would go down a different route or different things could be harder or easier for you. But Zone of Enders was like my game that I owned. And I spent a lot of time dedicated to that game to like make it so that I got the ending I wanted. It was like save states, going back, repeating things. But yeah, I say say that Mario, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Splinter Cell and pokemon and pokemon were the ones that really like i really think those defined my childhood yeah yeah uh i i mean my list is different than yours but i can agree very much on orcarina at time and splinter cell and i didn't even think about splinter cell until you mentioned it and like holy crap crap that game did that come out in my teens like holy was i an adult then i gotta <laughs> look that shit up because i know it came out on the first xbox and i was like i remember playing it but i think i was 19 so that counts right yeah yeah <laughs> teens that's still right? teens that's still teens and uh, obviously i grew up with command and conquer uh, mm-hmm. 
that's my number one. But Zelda, and I like Command and Conquer. Don't get me wrong, and I love the cutscenes, and I played it for the story, but I mostly played it for the strategy. But Zelda or Karina of Time taught me that story was very, very important and very meaningful, like you've said. And I can't give it up to that game enough because it's just it's been fantastic. Uh, aside from Orcarina of Time, that I, I don't know anybody who hasn't really, aside from you know younger kids who hasn't played Orcarina of Time, I don't know anybody that's my age who hasn't played it that is into video games, even in the slightest, that did not love it, right? Um, yeah, that that game's gonna throw me off. But Splinter Cell was as Fantastic, right? So I got Command and Conquer. I definitely have Ocarina of Time. Splinter Cell, like you said, when we first played it, and we just took turns handing the controller off because we had different ideas of how to do it. Or you're like, you're sitting on the edge holding a pillow. Because uh, at the time it was me and my cousin, and he was playing it, and I was watching, and then we, he would hand the controller to me, and we'd do things like, no, you're doing it wrong, but you don't <laughs> want to tell him what to do because you're going to turn around and do it the right way. And then, yeah, just, oh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, aside from that, I did play a lot, so I was pretty heavy into the RTS, and I played a lot of the original StarCraft. That accounts for a lot of time that I spent. We made custom maps and played, I think it was 8v2, or sorry, you can only have 8 players per the map or whatever, so 6v2, and we'd put the, uh, computer on insane AI, and then we would just proceed to curb stomp the AI and have a great time, me and my buddy. And that was a huge portion. We just, I had a lot of fun playing StarCraft. But aside from that, the game that really grabbed me and moved me forward with the storyline that I didn't play after, um... Ocarina of Time was the original Deus Ex. And I played that game, and that one gripped me story-wise. I wanted to keep going. It wasn't the greatest of stories, and I don't look back on it super fondly story-wise, but it did have something that I would have dreams about it. And just be like, oh, yeah, I had to do this. And I have a whole bunch of honorable mentions now that we started thinking about these things. And like, yeah. Fuck, man. Like, and all right. Half-Life is an honorable mention, right? How could you not play the original Half-Life? I loved the original Half-Life. Yeah, as far as my five, I think it's Command & Conquer, it's StarCraft, it's Orcarina of Time, it's Deus Ex, and I'm... Oh man, I'm going to struggle with that fifth one because I, I want it to be Splinter Cell, but I want it to be Half-Life... But I want it to be Banjo Kazooie because that was a lot of fun. <laughs> I want it to be Goldeneye on sixty four because oh, yeah. that was a lot of fun, and I spent so much time on that. Ah, uh, limited to five is really hard, and of course, mm -hmm. we played the classics. You know, play the original Super Mario Brothers. I had an Atari. I played Atari for a while, but Atari was never my thing. Super Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt. I played Gorilla War. And that was one of my favorite NES games. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's really hard to die, to tie it down to the five, but 
Uh, I'm going to give it my solid four with a fifth lingering between about 100 other games that I was lucky enough to play or I played at a friend's house because my parents couldn't afford it or, you know, I used my 14-4 modem to acquire things from the old IRC <laughs> chat rooms. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, gaming, those, those are what defined my entrance and my and being stuck in gaming like halo i spent a lot of time in destiny i've spent time in but i would never ever have done any of that if it really wasn't for those games those are the games that stuck me into this the the reason why i do a podcast now is because of games like that Think about it. You have to limit those games to five games. Shit. Rumble, Fumble, Football. Or, sorry, it's Mutant League Football and Sega Genesis. God, how is that not my fifth? I can't pick a fifth spot, man. There's, <laughs> there's too many. I know the solid four. I know the solid four games that really define my life, but that fifth pick is going to be 20 different games. And I'm going to be like, you know, we're going to stop this podcast and. I'm going to be like, yeah, oh, fuck, it was that game. Shit, I should have mentioned that game because I'm going to talk for three hours on that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but let's not do that. So, uh, Damoc, why don't you tell the lovely people where they can find you at? I exclusively troll the GNA Discord. You can always find me there. And we're always having a good time. And I don't know what that big crash was in the background. Hopefully that can edit out. <laughs> uh, and uh, hopefully no one's gotten injured. But uh, I'm Blue Shark 45 ladies and gentlemen. I am one of the hosts of the GNA podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at BlueShark45. You can also find me on the GNA Discord. You can also find me on other discords such as 3-Player Co-op, Bullets and Beers, uh, Mulehorn Gaming. But if you really want my attention, if you really want to talk to me, I spend most of my time on our GNA Discord. And uh, when I'm not on the Discord, when I'm not doing work, when I'm not spending time with my fiancé or cooking, playing video games, I spend time on the internet websites Ew. dude that's 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 not a good place to be like i found the perfect fucking website now you gotta support it because damoc pimps his pores on it it is what it is man but that website i'm pretty hold on let me take a look at that oh yeah there it is baby i believe it's www I can't believe I'm supporting EA, but you should too. Buy the Command and Conquer for twenty fucking dollars. or the GNAPodcast.com. Fuck you guys. Um, I ran out of tequila, and now I'm drinking Luda Ranger IPA. <laughs> Good choice. Well, you have a wonderful evening, and thanks for stopping by, Damoc. Thanks for having me, even if I get drunk and battle on for what it's almost two hours now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good night, everyone. Have a good night. We hope you enjoyed the show. GNA Games, Nerds, and Alcohol. 
Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Reviews help people find the show. So if you enjoy listening to us, let other people know. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Stitcher, Spreaker, MyTuner, Your Listen, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other places. If we aren't someplace, let us know. We'll upload there. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook by searching at GNA Podcast. You can also join our Discord chat. Just see the pinned tweet. We do a game show night every first Saturday of every month on Mixer at www.mixer.com forward slash GNA Podcast. Join us every Wednesday night at 19.30 Eastern Time on cast.gg for Anime Night hosted by Blue Shark 45 And join us every second Saturday of the month for Horror Movie Night hosted by Zyberblood. We want to thank Morgan BS Photography for our artwork and logo. Check him out at morganbs.com. And please email us at gnapodcast at gnainyourdna.one with all your questions, comments, or death threats. We would love to hear from you. And last but not least, please be sure to check out our website at www.gnapodcast.com. <laughs>